we're going to introduce the Hamilton family in the Bronx, but I'll have you come up right after the video, Brother Ben, and uh, let's take a quick look at what's been happening through your mission support in the Bronx, New York. I'm excited to see this. The Bronx, what do those words mean to you? To many, they mean something unpleasant. To some, they mean a wicked place full of violent criminals. To some, they mean traffic. After all, the Cross Bronx Expressway is one of the busiest roads in America. To some, they mean the home of the New York Yankees. To 1.4 million people, however, the Bronx simply means home. One of the first Europeans to call the Bronx home was Jonas Bronck. Soon after landing in what was then the Dutch colony of New Netherlands, Jonas Bronck wrote, The invisible hand of the Almighty Father surely guided me to this beautiful country. The farm, which Jonas Bronck established in 1639, was located on the far southern tip of what is now known as the Bronx. No longer farmland, the Bronx Place, or the Bronx for short, is the third most densely populated county in America and is a part of the largest city in the U.S. A land which was first settled by a God-fearing man is now full of over a million people who do not know the Lord. The Bronx is one of the five boroughs which comprise New York City, along with Manhattan, Brooklyn, Queens, and Staten Island. New York City boasts a population of 8.3 million people. Most of these do not know the Lord. These people come from all over the world, and it is estimated that there are over 800 different languages spoken within the city limits. In December of 2016, after three years of traveling and visiting over 100 churches in 33 different states, we finally reached full support, concluded deputation, and returned to New York. We were ready and rearing to go, or so we thought. Our After prayer, we decided that we would start holding Sunday services on April 1st, 2018. April 1st was Easter that year, and so we began to promote the opening of Emmaus Road Baptist Church. Finding a space to actually have that first service was challenging, but the Lord finally led us to rent from Walton High School. For our first service, we had 39 in attendance. 37 of those were from our community. A little over a month later, we held our first baptismal service and chartered our church next week with six members. That first year was an exciting and strange year. Other than the six charter members, most of the 30 or so people who came each week were unsaved. It wasn't until about December that it all started to click and people started trusting Christ. My personal goal was to see at least 10 people trust Christ as their Savior in the first year. By God's grace, that is exactly what we saw. We were one week away from celebrating our second year anniversary as a church when COVID came to the city. Immediately, we lost our meeting place at Walton High and went to digital church like the rest of the world. By June, though, I felt very strongly that our church should assemble, and so we began to meet in the only place available, the street. We met at 8 on Sunday mornings at the bottom of this set of pedestrian stairs. It wasn't a great solution, but it allowed us to gather, and we even saw a few visitors from the neighborhood. Though we thought that we would meet here for only a couple of weeks, we ended up staying until the end of October. By then, 
our outdoor meetings were getting quite chilly, and we knew we needed to get inside soon. Again, the Lord provided in our time of need. We were able to begin meeting at the Lion's Roar Martial Arts Center on Valentine Road. That building, which had once been a synagogue, was used as a gym throughout the week and by us for just a couple of hours on Sunday mornings. It was located on one of the most dangerous blocks in the Bronx, and was not a very nice place, but it was a roof over our heads. What made this place really unique was the pictures of wrestlers on the wall and the boxing ring at the back of the auditorium. Though this place was a roof over our heads, it did leak when it rained, and it lacked consistent heat. We stayed here for one year because it was affordable, and it was the only thing available. Approaching another winter without heat was not an exciting prospect for any of us, and so we moved again. Our new location was about three miles from our target area, but we had all agreed that a change needed to be made. Beyond the fact that this new place had heat and didn't leak in the rain, this new location on White Plains Road had a second room in which we could restart our children's ministry. The best thing about this location was the terms of our lease there. Rather than being locked in for a long term, we were only required to give a two-month notice before vacating. Though the facilities at this place were nice, it was not a place of growth for us, and our offerings were not keeping up with the amount charged for rent. In the ten months which we were there, I think that we only had two or three visitors from the neighborhood show up for services. It was quickly becoming obvious that this was not the place which the Lord had for us. With two promising prospects of new places to meet back in our original neighborhood, our church gave its two-month notice at the end of May 2022. I was very confident that if we stepped out in faith, God would provide something for us by August 1st. To my surprise and confusion, he didn't. Both places which I had thought would surely work out fell through. Those were troubling days. Again, we were a homeless church. I questioned whether God wanted us to go on. Why was he not providing? We met at my house and tried to keep our spirits up, but it was very difficult. By September, I was desperate. I set out one morning to knock on the door of every building in the area, which looked from the outside that it might have space for a small church to meet in. One of the first places I stopped was this Veterans of Foreign Wars building. I had tried this spot years before and been refused, but I figured I would try again. Eddie opened the door, and when I explained to him what I wanted, his answer was, No, it wouldn't work anyway. The place is a mess inside. Explaining to him that I had some experience as a contractor, I asked if I could take a look at the mess and volunteer some time to repair his building. A flood had done some damage to the wood floors of their assembly room, and some carpet needed to be relayed. I came the next week with my tools and set to work. After several hours of working, I again asked about using the space. There were several other problems that needed fixed up as the place had fallen into general disrepair. If he was willing to trade work for rent, then I thought we could come to a deal. He agreed. The new space is the best which we have had. Not only does it have plenty of room for our congregation, 
but it has heat and I was recently able to repair the roof so that it no longer leaks. This new location has great visibility. Mounted to the front of the building are two stone eagles, which a hundred years ago adorned Madison Square Garden when it was located on 50th and 8th. Everybody in the area knows the building by those two eagles. Not only is the building well known, but it is in an area where there are no other churches of any type, and there are two main bus stops on the corner. In November, we moved in, and on December 6th, our church had its grand reopening service to celebrate God's provision of this new location and to invite our new neighbors to church. Ever since that date, God has been doing something very special at our church. Every single Sunday since then, we have had a new first-time visitor join us for service, often more than just one. Most of them have come back multiple times, and several of them haven't missed a Sunday since they first started coming. Some of those visitors have been spreading the news with their friends and family and have been bringing visitors themselves. A couple of weeks ago, two men professed Christ after the Sunday morning service. They haven't missed a service since. I cannot tell you how excited I am and how refreshed and even revived our church feels these days. After two years of disruption and difficulty, to see God blessing in this way has been amazing. When I have asked visitors what it has been that has brought them into our church, the answer has been amazing. For the ones who weren't brought by friends, the answer has almost always been, I saw your sidewalk sign, and I just felt like God was telling me I should go in. We don't have any permanent sign on the building, only two little A-frame signs, which we put up when we are there on Sundays. It hasn't been our outreach efforts, it hasn't been our website, or our dollars spent on Google Ads. It has just been the Spirit of the Lord answering prayers and impressing upon people that they need to come. Though we know God wants us to be out sharing the gospel, it has been neat to be reminded that ultimately it is God who gives the increase and God that is drawing people to himself. I'm going to invite Brother Ben to come. And I appreciated in that video the, um, just the transparency about the ups and downs of the ministry and that you would say that you even thought, was this, did the Lord want you to continue? So. At supper, that a year and a half ago at this time, I was basically ready to quit. I had been struggling for a while. Our church had been struggling, and when we didn't have a church building for those two months between White Plains Road and where we now are, I said to another pastor, I said, Lord, I said to, said to the pastor, rather, if you don't provide something for us, if you don't make a change here, I don't know if you want us here anymore. And the Lord really, uh, beginning December 6th last year, has totally changed uh, the church. We, we have to make plans. We have to, uh, with our mission board that we're with, we have to submit once a year uh, goals for what we want to see happen in the next year. And usually I would write down, I want to see this many people saved. I want to see this many people baptized or something like that. And I just said this year, I don't know. I just want the Lord to show his hand in some way. And he has, in a far greater way than he ever has before. There has just been uh, a new life 
in our church, and it's, it's the life of the Lord. Maybe, maybe the Lord just needed to humble me. Maybe he just needed to show me that you can't do it, and he hadn't, had to break me down uh, absolutely to the point of, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But since those days, uh, since December last year, as I mentioned, we have had new visitors almost every week. Our church attendance has swelled uh, considerably. We usually have about 50 people every Sunday morning now, and uh, we've had people saved, had two people saved in the past two months. We're just able to baptize five people three weeks ago. This coming Sunday, we're inviting new members into the church, uh, and, and it's been really neat how the Lord has just done it. As I said, little sidewalk sign. We don't have a big presence. Uh, people, most people in the neighborhood still don't know that we're there, I think. And people see that, and the Lord has just been impressing upon them to come in. Uh, our outreaches, we, we have a couple of different things which we do for outreach occasionally in the summer. One of those is we give away free water bottles uh, with a tract. And we just say, hey, you know, are you thirsty? Um, this water, you know, this is going to last you for a little bit, but we know somebody who can satisfy you forever. And uh, one of those we've given away this last summer, we gave it to one man. He was actually pulled over at a stoplight right in front of our church. He took it, drove about 200 feet past the stoplight, pulled over, looked at the tract, read it completely, hopped out of his car, walked back, said, I want to know more about your church. And we told him about it. He didn't come the next week, but he sent his cousin to come. And so his, his cousin came. His cousin um, was a new believer and was looking for, the church, looking for a church he called his cousin back and said, hey, you showed me a good church. You've got to come now. And so he's come, and his cousin has come, and his brother has come, and his sister has come, and his mother has come, and then some people that he knows come. And so this one guy from one water bottle, we have now about 20, 25 pe new people coming to our church, young families, all of them in their 20s, early 30s, a lot of kids right now, young kids, the children. Uh, the people who stuck with us uh, through those hard times are greatly encouraged, as I am, and uh, it, is, it is just an exciting thing to show up to church each week. Uh, and sometimes it wasn't, <laughs> but now, now it is, and so we're just really thankful for, for that opportunity. Uh, are there any questions you have uh, for us? I just would like to ask, do you, what is the... Um like most of the people you're reaching, do they have a, any kind of religious background? With, what are you dealing with? Uh, mostly not. Uh, the, the Bronx is 54% Hispanic, uh, and most Hispanic people have some connection with the Catholic Church uh, somewhere along the road. Uh, so we have some people who have some nominal uh, knowledge of Jesus, but uh, unbelievers, almost all of them, or, or new believers who were never grounded. Uh, we have also a, a little bit of a Pentecostal background in some of, some of the people who have started coming recently. Um, mostly just uneducated in the Bible and either nominally Christians or not Christians at all. So it's actually really exciting because I get to tell them things from the Bible that I have known all my life since Sunday school and they've never heard before. And to see them uh, learning it for the first time, we were going through the book of Daniel uh, on, on Wednesday nights, and they never heard of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They never heard of Nebuchadnezzar. And being able to, to tell them those stories and, and see them excited about those things and uh, then take those truths and bring them back to the gospel 
Uh, it's been it's been wonderful. It's it's been really great. Uh, so yeah, mostly mostly not. And you, I, if everybody's not aware, you grew up right in Berkshire County. Yeah, I grew up in Pittsfield, Massachusetts. Uh, so not not very far away from here at all. My parents still live down there, and uh, I was hoping my mom and dad would make it tonight, but they they could not. Uh, they wanted to. It something came up. Uh, but yeah, we grew up here. God called us to the Bronx. Um, well, he called me to Brooklyn first. I went to work in Brooklyn the first time in 2005. I was in college, and I uh, went there on a Jewish ministry trip uh, as an intern for eight weeks just to check out sharing the gospel with Jewish people from the Old Testament. And uh, God used that to call me to be an assistant pastor in Brooklyn for a couple of years. I've now lived in New York City since 2010, and we just started the church there six years ago. So that's neat how God will take you um, to places you never thought you would go. I, I did not grow up with a great love for New York City. Uh, my dad is a typical New Englander, and if you get cut off in traffic, it doesn't matter what your plate is, you're a New Yorker. So uh, that was my impression of New York City, and God has used that uh, in my life. Uh, actually, I grew up thinking that New Yorkers were the worst people in the world, quite honestly. And uh, I figured that if they're the worst people in the world, they must need the Savior. So uh, God called me to them. Yeah. Any other questions? Yes, sir. I'd be curious, do you know any story behind these two people confessed Christ and the meaning of the again? Were they just passing through? Um, well, I'm not sure which two people you're, you're speaking of. In, in the film. Oh. Okay, well, uh, we have had uh, one or two people that have professed Christ that have not seen much of. Most of them that, that get to the point of professing Christ have stuck around for a good while uh, and, and grown in the church. So uh, we, we've actually had a really um, a good rate of people who, once they profess in Christ, stay and, and get baptized and, and become members of the church. We had a couple of issues during COVID where some people weren't coming to church because of COVID, and I don't know what to say, Satan sort of sifted them like wheat, and they fell away uh, into sin, and it was actually almost the middle of a church split there in the middle of COVID on top of everything else. Uh, so that was difficult, but but most of the people have been very faithful to us, very faithful to the Lord since we started. Yes. Could you just share with us? I always like to ask, mm -hmm. like right now, how can our church pray for you and pray for your family specifically? Okay. Well, I've been a lot busier with the church because we have a lot of new believers. So I'm I'm busy with discipling, and um, and uh, the ministry is becoming a lot a lot busier. Plus, we have. Seven children. I didn't get to bring all my family here today, and my wife homeschools. Five of them, the two youngest, are not old enough for homeschool. Uh, so really, we're just very busy people, and we just ask that Lord would give us the strength to do what it is that we need to do. And uh, then, as a church, uh, just pray that God keeps the ball rolling the way that it has been. And the building that we are renting from, the VFW Hall, uh, is a place that we would like to meet for the next 20 years, honestly. Uh, what the spot that we show in the video is actually only half of the building. There's a whole other half of it that we don't have access to right now. 
because the VFW is still in control of the building. But quite honestly, there's only like one person who keeps the VFW together. And they rarely meet. And um, it is my prayer that one day the Lord will give us that place to meet in. And we could, we could use it for Sunday school rooms. We could use it for classrooms. There's even an apartment attached to it. There's so much we could do if we owned the whole building. And we have moved five times in five years. And I, I am very excited about the fact that we've been in one place now for a whole year. I would like that to stay that way for a very long time. So pray that God gives us grace in the eyes of Eddie, who runs the VFW. Uh, he, will, he is um, an unbeliever for sure. He's got an alcohol problem. Uh, and at first he was very resistant to having us in there as a church uh, and kind of unfriendly to us, but he knew he needed the help. Now uh, he loves my family and uh, always bringing treats for them. And he does not love the Lord, but he comes and he listens for like half the service. We have a little coffee bar, which actually was an alcohol bar at one time. Uh, we use it for coffee now. And uh, he, he stands there and, and listens and gets a cup of coffee and wanders in and out. Uh, he's still a little resistant to the gospel, but the hard shell is cracking. And he is, he is in his 70s. And his father and his grandfather both died of heart attacks, alcohol-related, at 72. So he figures his time is very limited, and he, he wants to, I want to see him saved uh, very soon. We have people all around the country praying for Eddie to be saved. So pray for Eddie to be saved, and then pray that we would also get that building that we're in. Amen. Yep. Very good. Thank you. And Brother Ben's going to preach for us in a few minutes, so we're looking forward to that Thank as you. well. This church, to the, those of you that aren't aware, this church is here because other churches invested in, invested in planting this church here in this community. So we are a church plant. We're an old church plant now, but we're a, we're a church plant. And um, so th it's cool to see. And this is the second church in the Bronx, New York, that we have had a part in helping get established. Uh, maybe 10, 15 years ago, um, Brother Ken Baker started Victory Baptist Church in the Bronx, and we helped get that church established as well. So really awesome to see the, how the Lord's using our missions program and the Hamiltons. Well, real quick, I want to introduce you to our other speakers this week. So Brother Dan and Brother Bruce, come on up, and uh, we're just going to have you guys just quickly introduce yourself. Let us know what, uh, yeah, we'll have Dan first, then you come right up after him, brother. So Dan, welcome. Tell everybody who you are. Okay. Thank you. Uh, Dan Bergman. I was here, I think in 2011, uh, when we were originally raising support for Jewish ministry. My dad is Jewish. My mom is not. Um, I got saved as a 15-year-old boy. I thought I was a Christian until I found out that calling yourself a Christian does not make you one. Mm -hmm. um, recognizing your sin and trusting in Jesus alone, his death, burial, and resurrection. And I did that as a 15-year-old boy. I immediately got burdened from my dad. Uh, some of you probably have not heard since I wasn't here since 2011. Um, but my dad, my Jewish dad, he got saved in 2019. Amen. And so we're real excited about that. Uh, we've been involved in Jewish ministry since we were here, 2010, 2011. Uh, up until 2020 and through 2020. During 2020, in January, and I'll just make this super quick. 
Um, I had a friend on Facebook that said that you can preach the gospel on TikTok. And I thought, what in the world is TikTok? And I found out it's a bunch of people dancing, you know. And so I had one pastor say, Brother Dan's going to come up here and do a dance for us. I'm not going to do that. Um, you wouldn't want to see that. But anyway, um, so I started a TikTok account in January of 2020. Talk about right place, right time. Uh, we didn't know that COVID was going to happen. We didn't know everything was going to shut down. We didn't know everybody online was going to just like skyrocket through the roof. So I started a TikTok account and things started happening. People started seeing it. Uh, in J June of 2020, we had our first person reach out to me and said, I got saved because of your videos. And that was just mind blowing to me. And so I started to feel like maybe God was opening up a door. I wasn't looking for this. I wasn't looking for a change or a transition in ministry. Um, but things just started happening. And if we had a theme verse for our ministry of what we're doing now, it would be 1 Corinthians 16, 9, that says, For a great door and effectual is opened unto me, and there are many adversaries. So Paul, when he was in Ephesus, things started happening. And he responded to that by staying in Ephesus as that door was open. And so we felt very um, led to go ahead and step through that open door, um, not necessarily leaving Jewish ministry, but expanding our outreach, and now we are full-time into digital evangelism. We've been doing this since full-time since 2021. We made the transition January 1st of 2021 uh, to uh, step down from Jewish Awareness Ministries. We left on good terms. Most of our supporting churches followed us through that transition. Um, but our goal is to see people saved all over the world, not just to see them saved and let them drop, but to get them plugged into good Bible-believing, Bible-preaching churches wherever they are at. And so that's our goal. And we're just glad to be along for the ride. I told Brother Ethan on the way here uh, that I'm just the jawbone of a donkey, you know, in Samson's hand. God is using this thing in spite of me. And we're very excited to be here, very blessed and, and uh, privileged and honored to be invited and excited to be a part of this conference. And if you're here on um, Saturday, I mean, Sunday morning at 930, he's going to do a whole presentation on the digital evangelism with videos. So I'm really looking forward to that. Dan and I went to college together. So it's really cool to see people that you went to school with that are following the Lord. And now for the actual TikTok dance. Um, oh, no, no, no. Oh, yeah, he's, like, he's going to pull it up. This is our good friend, Pastor Bruce Patterson. He is not just... Um, not just a great guy, but he is somebody that I've looked up to as long as I can remember. He pastored the Northside Baptist Church in St. Albans, Vermont for a long time. In fact, my friend Dan Frost is a pastor now, and Dan was watching. So Dan, oh, yeah? so if he's still there, I don't know if we lost him or not. But, but uh, he's going to tell us a little bit about how the Lord's been using him in his retirement. Okay. Well, uh, in my retirement, by the way, Dan is doing a great job up there. I prayed for that young man for about eight years before I ever met him. And then when I met him and his wife, it was love at first sight. And I went back, told the church, I said, I think this guy's going to be my replacement. And uh, a few years later, he took my place and I retired uh, back in 18, I guess, 2018. And, uh, but before that, in the summer of 2000, we're building a church building and busy. I was at the church. I said, if you want to see the pastor this summer, come to the church, bring a hammer. That's where I'll be. And we built our church uh, with our, our, just our own people for the most part. 
And uh, this, this Filipino guy kept on calling me. I want to come see your church. I want to come present my ministry. And I kept on saying, no, no, no. Finally, after about a dozen times, I told Pastor Orlando Pakong, and you'll see him tomorrow uh, in the video, that he could come. And uh, my daughter came down to Wednesday night. She said, Dad, the Filipinos want directions to the church. And I said, well, just give them directions to the church. Dad, they're still in Marietta, Ohio. <laughs> So I said, okay, you can come on Sunday. They showed up on Saturday, and five minutes after the car pulled into the parking lot, we said hi, and they were on the roof with hammers. We were shingling the, the church at the time. Uh, they ended up, they had no meetings. They had no clue of what they were doing in the United States. So they ended up staying with us for five weeks. And uh, I called every pastor I knew, and uh, we got them meetings, and they would go out on Wednesday night, they would go out on Sunday, and the next morning they'd be sitting in my driveway by 7 o'clock in the morning, ready to go to work. Uh, so we had a work crew of three people. You know, Most of the guys couldn't come to work until later. So when you work side by side with somebody for five weeks, what happens? You become friends. And uh, they said, come to the Philippines. And we said, no. I, at that point, I had never gone anywhere. And I said, I'm not going to the Philippines. And uh, they kept, he was persistent and pretty quick in uh, 2021, January 2021, Jaren, Sharon and I took our first trip. And uh, when I was there, I got to preach to some schools. And when I left teaching to go into the ministry, uh, I was saying, Lord, I'm just going to miss kids. I'm going to miss kids. I love kids. Well, Lord, give me a ministry to preach to kids on the other side of the planet and see thousands of them come to Christ as Savior. So uh, God God knew. He knew what I didn't do. So uh, now uh, I do this whenever I can, do a little fill-in preaching whenever I can. Hopefully 2024, going back to the Philippines again, and I'm here begging for money. Not for me, but to buy Bibles, and we'll get into more of that tomorrow night. Thank you very much. And how many of you have bought a little sip of heaven maple syrup here? Who's purchased that? We've got a few here. He's got a maple syrup business. Some of the profits go to that ministry as well. So it wasn't 2021, though, right? What? 2001. You shorted yourself 20 years of ministry there. So first trip to the Philippines. And how many trips have you made? Yeah. Because I every other year do the Bibles, but they love to have me come preach at youth camps. Yeah. Now that don't happen in the United States. Look at this face, this hair, bald head. You're not hair. a popular youth conference States. speaker. Over there, they just love me to go preach at youth camps. <laughs> That's awesome. Amazing. And we'll see some. You'll see. You'll see pictures tomorrow night that will amaze you of thousands of public school children getting Bibles, and uh, pretty, pretty, pretty awesome ministry. Father, we thank you so much for, Lord, these missionaries and pastors, evangelists, and, and Lord, servants of you coming here and the safety you gave them in traveling. Lord, we thank you for the work that you've been doing in their ministries and in their lives. God, we look forward to hearing more uh, from each of them throughout these next few days. We thank you for the work you're doing in the Bronx and the Hamilton family. God, we pray that you'd continue to bless that ministry and strengthen strengthen that family, Lord. Lord, we pray that uh, you would continue to bless them in, their, in the Bronx. God, we pray that you would keep, uh, continue to burden our hearts for faith promise. 
continue to speak to us, Lord. I pray that we would be obedient to you as you speak. I pray that on Sunday we would come ready, Lord, to answer how you've been speaking to us and ready to, uh, Lord, put feet to our faith. God, we pray that you'll bless the offering tonight. We pray that, Lord, these missionaries and pastors, Lord, and, and we, we pray that they would use the money wisely, Lord, that you would help it to bless their ministry. I pray that we'd be able to be a blessing to them. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm sorry once again that my family could not be here today, at least not all of them. Uh, my children uh, have been sick, and now they've shared it with my wife as well. When you have a large family, you just know that when one gets sick, everybody else is going to get sick too. <laughs> so uh, let's go in the Bible this uh, evening to John chapter 9, John chapter 9, verse 4. It's actually been a while since I've traveled to churches to present our ministry. Uh, I try to stay at home at our church on Sundays most of the time, and so sometimes I forget the way things are at a church when I was, since the last time I had been there. So this evening, I showed up and I had been in commu communication with Pastor Malachuk. And I thought to myself, oh, it was going to be good to see Pastor Malachuk again. It's been, been eight years, I think, since the last time I was here. And I got out of the car, and somebody started approaching me. And I could tell from the way he was approaching me that he was the pastor. I, there's just something about pastors. Sometimes you can, you can pick him out of a crowd. And I said, that is definitely the pastor coming to greet me. It is so good to see him, but man, I thought he was older. <laughs> so I was soon informed of my mistake. You know, I learned the churches that support us, and I learned the last name of the pastor. And I never, in the interaction through emails, noticed the difference of the first names. I just thought it was Pastor Malachuk, and it's been so good to get to know Ethan just a little bit this evening. But things change over time uh, when you're not there. And I know I've probably changed quite a bit uh, since the last time uh, you saw, saw me here. I don't know how many of you remember me coming here eight years ago. Okay, a couple of you. Yeah, very good. It is good to see a lot of new people here then today. It's very exciting to see what God is doing here. I was talking with senior Pastor Malachuk, uh, just and hearing the history of your church and and what God has been doing here over the past couple of years. And it has been very, very exciting to me to see what God is doing. Uh, last week, although I don't travel to churches very often, I actually never leave uh, our church in the Bronx very much. I did have to go down to Tennessee for a family reunion. Uh, my father-in-law has been building a house down there. And we had to go uh, visit and uh, get together with them. And on Sunday evening, I, I went to a church I had never been to before and just sat in and, and listened, and they had a speaker come, uh, out-of-town speaker, and he preached on heaven, and it was a really good message, actually, and it got me to thinking about what it's going to be like to, to show up at heaven one day, and, 